And uh, so excited for you to join us for week two of our habit series. Let me ask you a, a quick question. What did you do Friday? What did you do Friday? What, what did your Friday look like for you? What, what's your, what was your routine? You got into it. How many of you, um, how many of you uh, woke up with an alarm? You woke up with, a, you're an alarm setter. Uh, how many alarm setters? How many, let's just, okay, we're all being honest. You're in church today, okay? If you lie, you fry. So if you... <laughs> How many of you, you, you hit the alarm multiple, you're a multiple hitter of the alarm? Okay, yeah, all right. How many of you, you put your, you put your alarm is on your phone? How many phone alarm, ghoul, okay, yeah, most of us. How many of your phone is in your room, your, your own room? How many is right beside you? Okay, let me give you a tip. Put it on the other side of the room. Then you have to get up. And then you hit it and then you go back to bed again. And so, right. I, I, a lot of what happens, the reason why I asked what your Friday was like, was because probably, if we were to look at it, it probably, for the most part, was very similar to your Thursday, and to your Wednesday, and to your Tuesday. Now, depending on maybe if you had a day off, or different things that were going on, it's got some variety in it, but all of us probably have very similar days, especially when our kids are in school, and we got the routine, and your work is going on. How many of you have a morning, morning routine? It's probably a, an alarm, and then you eventually finally wake up, and then maybe it's bathroom, shower, coffee, or maybe it's coffee, shower, bathroom. I don't know. There's a wonderful range of that. Maybe it's working out. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's getting your kids to school. Maybe it's kicking the cat. I don't know. And then it's, uh, that's what I would do if I had a cat in my house. And so <clears throat> the... All of us probably have some form of a ritual. We get our kids to school or get our kids to the bus, and then we take the same drive to work and then go through our work day and then probably drive the same way home. And then, you know, we got dinner and bedtime and bath time, and you're bathing kids and, and then trying to get kids back into the bath. And then you're trying to get kids to put on their clothes. And then you remind them three times, put on your clothes and put on your clothes, put on your clothes, time for bed. I mean, no, when you say it's time for bed, kids think it's time to play. I don't know about y'all, but in our, in our house, when we say it's time for bed, our kids actually play well together. <laughs> it's the rest of the hours. Anybody, any parents in here? Okay. It's time for bed. And they're like, yeah, we're just playing together over here. <laughs> Looks like a ne hostage negotiation. Okay. Just get in bed, please. I'll give you whatever you want. So they get in bed and then of course, you know, and then whatever it is, maybe it's a Netflix binge or it's a, a you read at night or pray or whatever it is, but we all have some form of routine. So last week, I shared the study that Duke University had shared that came out with, and that was that 40% of what you and I do is actually habitual. There's a habit. 40% of our week during the week is, is habitual, meaning that you do it so frequently, you do it so often that you don't even think about it. You don't even think about anything. It's just, it's just something that you constantly do all the time. And so uh, with that, I, I want you to write this first thing down. Here's kind of the big thought today, and then we're going we're gonna to go into some other things. And so today, I want you to write this down. Much of what you do daily isn't a result of conscious choices, but daily habits. Much of what you do daily isn't a result of conscious choices, but daily habits. Just stuff that you just do over and 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 over again. And you develop these habits, and they become unconscious in a lot of ways. And, and it's good. It, it helps actually free up space for you to really think about big decisions that you actually need to make. It's a good thing. But it also can be a bad thing, of course, in other regards. And so this Duke University, 40% of what we do is a daily habit. 
And, and I want to direct you to, to something here because I think this is so important. If you want to change your life, so in 2019, this is a year you want to change whatever area of your life, your, your money, your marriage, your, your, your parenting, your job, whatever area that you really want to get in, maybe your health, maybe it's a habit that you want to kick. I'm just telling you right now, if you want to change your life, you have to change your habits. Let me say that again. If you want to change your life, you have to change your habits. It's so important. And so I want to direct you to a, a verse today that's going to help give us a framework for this. And it's found in Romans chapter 12, verse 1. This is found in the message translations. I, I, I love what it says here. Watch, watch what it says. So, so here's what I want you to do. And that God is helping you. I love this first part. God is helping you. How many are glad God helps us? We need some help. God is going to help you. Now watch what he's going to help you do. He's going to help you take your everyday, ordinary life. And really, that's, that's, that's the heartbeat of what we want to do as a church. Every Sunday that you come, we want to help and hope, our prayer is that, that what happens on Sunday helps Monday. And, and because how I many know God doesn't want to just be your Sunday God, he wants to be your everyday God. Your, your everyday, your ordinary life. Now, now watch this. You're sleeping. You're eating. You're going to work. You're walking around life. And, and, he, wants to, and he wants you to place it before God, and he wants you to offer it as in a what? As an offering. As an offering. That, that, this, is, this is what he's saying. That every day you and I wake up, after we hit the snooze button three times, we finally wake up and we're there, that we would posture ourselves and say, God, today is all about you. Today is your day. Today is the day you have made. I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. This is your day. I'm giving you, God, everything that I do today, God, made on you and glorify you. So that's what we want to say. But if, if Duke University is true... And 40% of what you do is habitual, whether good or bad, but it's habitual. What, what we probably need to say is, God, I, I want to give you, God, today, 60% of what I do is for you. Because 40% is already habitual. That, that's not changing. That's what I keep doing over and over and over again. But how many you know, if you want to change your life, you got to change your habits. So we got to invite God into those 40% and say, God, is there anything that's in here that is not honoring to you? Is there anything in here that is honoring to you? And what do I keep doing so I can grow where you want me to be? How many want to be and do all that God wants you to do in your life? That I think all of us do. We all want to get there. And so with that being said, today I want to specifically talk about how to start good habits. So most of us, when we talk about habits, we immediately go to all the things that we want to stop doing. So I want to stop smoking. I want to stop, you know, biting my fingernails, stop picking my nose, stop, I don't stop, maybe that's your kids. Uh, I want to stop. Whatever, you got a list. You got a laundry list probably of things that you want to stop. Well, here's the good news. That's next week. So next week, I'm going to spend the whole message next week talking about how do we stop addictions? How do we stop habits and things that we want broken in our life? Today, though, we want to start with some, some good things. And how do we begin to develop good habits in our lives? How do we get a, addicted to good things? So let's, let's write this first thing down, and then we're going to dive into a story in Scripture. Here's the big idea as we lead into this. The things that lead to the biggest difference often come through the smallest of choices. The things that lead to the biggest difference often come through the smallest of choices. And you're going to see this theme throughout this whole series that we're not so much focused about the big things, we're focused on the small things. It is the little things that make your life what it is. It is the small choices, the everyday little things that you and I think are not big deals that God plays as big deals. And so I have called this message today, Small Step Success. I want to show you a story of a man who had small step success. We celebrate him. We talked about him last week, 
but I want to dive into his story more this week. It's a story in the Old Testament of a man named Daniel. So let's jump into Daniel chapter 6 today. So this is what it says. It pleased Darius. Darius is the king, by the way. To set over the kingdom 120 satraps. That is just leaders, rulers. We don't even use that term anymore, but it's a leader, a ruler, 120 of them to be throughout the whole kingdom, and over them, three governors, of whom Daniel was one of them. So there's three governors. Daniel's one of the three governors. Underneath Daniel and underneath the three governors is 120 satraps, and it goes on, it says, to whom these satraps should give account so that the king might suffer no loss. Then this Daniel, I love it, this Daniel, this Daniel became distinguished, now watch this, above all the other governors and the satraps. And because he had, now what does he have? He's got an excellent spirit. There's something that's different about this guy, Daniel, that's different than all the other ones. And the king planned to set him over the entire kingdom. So because of Daniel's excellent spirit that's within him, there's three governors, but now Daniel is even above the governor. So what's going to happen is the king Darius is going to set Daniel as number one. The three governors, our other two governors, are going under Daniel, and then the 120 are underneath him. How many know that when God's blessings are on you, some people resent you? You ever notice that? Like when God starts giving you unique favor and God gives you the promotion and they wanted the promotion, but God gives you the promotion. How many of you know you're going to have to deal with some jealousy in people's lives? And so they may be out to get you. You ever had that in the workplace? People, people are trying to underbite you. People are trying to attack you. People are trying to do things. Maybe your own family. God's blessing your family, but not their family. And then they don't want to have you over for dinner anymore. Okay. It's only my family. Okay. So... <laughs> Or maybe they're here with you and you didn't want to say anything. <laughs> mm we're all good. Okay, so watch. Watch what verse 4 says. This plays out. So the governors and the satraps sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom, but they could not find no ground for complaint or any fault. So they're trying to find some dirt on Daniel, and they can't find any. You ever watched like, social media or the news during election time? right? Because they're always trying to, to find things on the other guy. It's just, oh, so terrible. And that's what these guys are trying to do. They're trying to dig up some kind of dirt to see if he, you know, texted some picture or did something that he shouldn't have done. And they're trying to find something that's there. But it says, because he was, he was, everybody say this word, because he was faithful and, and no error or fault was found in him. Then these men said, we shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel. But we know there's one way we can. If we find it in connection with the law of his God, that these two other governors, 120 satraps, one of the things they really knew about Daniel is this guy really loves God. And we know that if we're going to get him, we're going to have to do something around his God. So they devise a scheme. And here's the scheme. We're going to get together and we're going to get with King Darius and we're going to pitch this idea to King Darius that for the next 30 days, no one can worship or pray to anybody except to King Darius. So they go to King Darius and say, we've got a great plan. Hey, I think you should issue a decree that says for the next 30 days, everybody worships you. How does that sound? And King Darius is like, sounds amazing. I like it. Says, okay, for the next 30 days. And, and, and this is what we say. If they were to do that, if they were to be caught worshiping or praying to someone else, that we throw them in the lion's den. And King Darius says, sounds like a great idea. He signs it. And sure enough, verse 10 happens. Verse 10 says this, but when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home and he knelt down as usual in his upstairs room 
with his windows, what? Straight up. Brother was like, watch this. Straight up. Anybody rebels in here? Like if someone tells you not to do something, you're going to do the exact opposite just because you're you. You know what I'm talking about? And so Daniel's like, "Uh uh-uh. And so he didn't even do it in private. Brother opened his windows towards Jerusalem and he prays how many times? Three Three times a day. Now here's the part. Here's the habit. Ready? Just as he had always done. Just as he had always done. And giving thanks to God. So not only do we have prayer, we also have praise. So the brother's blasting Hillsong up in his house too. (laughs) You know, I will build my, y'all hear this? And here these guys storm up into his house. Probably got security. They bugged his, bugged his room. Storm up in there like FBI or the SWAT team. They grab Daniel and say, you know what you shouldn't have done. They bring him to King Darius and say, he wasn't worshiping you. And they said, you, you know what you have to do. You can't break your law. And he couldn't. And so heartbroken because Daniel was his top guy. He said, he's got to go. And so they send him to the lion's den. We know the story. He sends them to the lion's den. And uh, King Darius is distraught, like distraught. The Bible says that King Darius could not sleep that night. But Daniel slept pretty good in the, in the Red Lion Motel that night. He was good. I was going to say lion's den, but that's a whole other thing. Anyway, so. <laughs> Nobody sleeps good there. So... Uh, uh, that's, that's only a local joke. And so, so Daniel slept perfectly fine that night and King Darius did not. He, he couldn't sleep at all. The Bible says that the next morning he wakes up and he runs to where Daniel is and he throws that, that, uh, that cover off of that lion's den and he says, Danny, are you okay? Are you okay, Dan? <laughs> terrible. And so this is what, this is what Daniel's response was. Look at verse 21. Are you okay, Danny? And Daniel says to the king, oh, king, live forever. My God said his angel and he shut the lion's mouth and they were, have not harmed me because I was found blameless before him. And also before you, oh, king, I have done no harm And the next verse says this thing. The king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no kind of harm was found on him. Now watch this. This is huge. Okay, we're talking about habits here. Because he had found, he had trusted in his God. He trusted in his God. Watch what the next verse says. And the king commands those men who had maliciously accused Daniel were brought and cast into the den of lions now watch, and their what? And their children, and their what? Their wives are like, you had to bring us into this. And before they could reach the bottom of the den, the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces. So we know what potential that the lions had, but there was something that kept the mouth of the lions closed for Daniel, but ate the others. What, what was the difference? What, what can we learn from Daniel about habits? Well, I want you to write this big one down. This is huge. This is a huge part of this, is that public power comes from private practice. Public power comes from private practice. 
Daniel chapter 6 verse 10 actually gives us the behind the scenes look at why Daniel could stand in the midst of the most pressured situation where he is in the midst of a lion's den about to be eaten. And why did he not get scratched at all? Well, verse 10 says that when he had learned about the law, he went to his house as he normally did, as usual, and he prayed three times as he always did, giving thanks to God as he always did. It was something that he always did. And the success that we all want in our lives often is the small things that get neglected. Now, the reason I bring that up is because what we don't realize is the power of this. He didn't just pray one time a day. He didn't just pray two times a day. He prayed three times a day. He didn't just pray when it was convenient. He didn't just pray when he felt like it. He did it every day. It was a habit. As usual, he did it every single day. Now, here's the big question. You ready? Let's give a little history lesson. How old is Daniel? How old is Daniel during this time? Now, how many of you grew up uh, in church and you, 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 got, you got taught Danny in the, in the lion's den in church, in like children's church? How many of you remember those days? Like, like my days was like flannel graphs. It was like flannel. Y'all remember those days? Man, I'm dating myself. <laughs> flannel graphs and then, you know, got the little lion on there and you got all that. And, and, and every time you heard about this story, every time I learned about this story, how old would you have think Danny was based off of what you grew up in? 30s? How many think 30s? 30s or so? You know how old he is? 83. 83. Now what people don't realize is, is first off, is that Daniel was actually captured. He was captured uh, at the age of 17. At 17, he was, he was kidnapped. All of his people, all the Hebrews were kidnapped and brought, brought over. And at 17 years old, he was kidnapped and he was brought into this empire. And he was brainwashed and trained and taught how to think like they think. And they were grooming him and raising him to be a leader in their community at the age of 17. And I wonder, I just wondered, this verse tells us in verse 10 that he did as usual. He prayed three times as usual. I wonder when did the usual start? Because I'm thinking about this. If he would have started this habit, I'm thinking if he would have started this habit at 20. Let's just say he started this habit at 20. Here he is. He is how old? 83. 83. That is 63 years of every day. Him getting up every day, three times a day. Morning, lunch, dinner. Morning, lunch, dinner. Seeking the Lord. Praying before the Lord. Bringing his worries to the Lord. Hearing what God's voice is for 63 years. If he would have done that, I I figured it out. It would be 76,650 prayers. 76,650 times of worship. How many know this is a disciplined man? See, and what we celebrate in this story is that God saved him from the lion's den. But what we don't realize is that public power comes from private practice. This man had probably for the last 60 years plus had been doing the same thing over and over and over and over. And finally, it came a moment when what he was praying for needed to really work. And it did because he was a man of discipline. Now, discipline is a word that most of us don't like to use, but let me give you a a definition of, I think, discipline really helped. Discipline is any act that makes your future you say thank you. Anything that you do right now that your future you is going to go, thank you so much for doing that. Like you want to eat the whole box of Oreos, but your future self says, don't you do that. I'm going to have to pay for that later. Like you want to go buy that car and get $37,000 in debt, but your future you says, please don't do that because I'm going to have to work overtime for the next five years to pay this thing off. Discipline is anything that we do right now that our future you will say, thank you. 
thank you. And if you want to develop habits, you want to develop good habits, then you're going to need to have discipline because success is never accidental. It's always intentional and habitual. It's always intentional and it's always habitual. If you want success in any area of your life, it's going to have to be intentional and it's going to have to be habitual. It, you don't, listen to me, you don't fall into love with Jesus. You grow in love with Jesus by taking steps. Are y'all with me? You don't fall in love in marriage. You grow in love as you're taking steps towards one another. You're picking up the phone and sending the text messages and doing all the things, that, the little things that you're doing that is growing this over time. You will never grow into love for God accidentally. It will always be intentionally. Like you're going to have to take some, some steps. In 2019, I think all of us in here have great goals and great desires. We talked about this last week. 2019. How many of you want to grow close to God this year in 2019? Who? Yes, me too. How many want more money this year than ever before? Me too. How many want to have a great thriving marriage where you're not always like this? Anybody? Yeah, me too. How many want your kids to say, yes, Father, I will do whatever you desire? <laughs> me too. Okay, all right. Slow, small steps. But here's the truth. Not all of us in here will get that. Because not all of us in here are willing to put the steps in to make it happen. See, that's why when you watch TV, things sell you so quickly on getting things fast and quick. You want abs? Just strap this to your body and do it for three minutes a day and you're going to have the abs of your dream. And they show this guy, he's like working out, you know. I'm like, that brother didn't do any of that. That brother's been doing sit-ups for 40 years to get that. You know, they'll tell you, just drink this and all this stuff will go away. Just take this and you'll never have this again. And just, y'all know what I'm saying? We buy this stuff because we like quick fixes. But the truth is, if you want to really have long lasting, Pastor Darius talked about long faith. Come on, that was a powerful word, wasn't it? Long faith and strong faith, it's going to take us being willing to do the small little things over time. So last year, I had really made a commitment that I wanted to grow in my relationship with God. And I knew that the only way that that was going to happen is if I really intentionally put time in reading God's word. Now I'm a pastor. I read the Bible. That's what I'm supposed to do. But I'll be honest with you. A lot of my Bible reading in 2017 and even years before this was really sketchy. It was based off of if I had time and, and how I'd fit it in. How many of you know if you, do, if you play it that way, you'll never do it? So 2018, I made a decision. I'm going to do it this year. And so I, I knew that the only way that I was going to do it and the only way I was going to be able to start this habit and actually see this habit all the way through and really learning to know God and read his word was I was going to need a plan and I was going to need people. Two things I was going to need, a plan and people. So if you have the Version app, which I strongly encourage you, if you don't have it, to go get it, they have thousands of plans on there. And one of my commitments was I'm going to read through the Bible. I'm going to read through the whole thing. Do you know that you can read through the whole Bible 10 minutes a day? 10 minutes, 10 minutes a day. We spend more time on the toilet than we do often doing anything. 10 minutes a day, you can read through the whole Bible in a year. So I said, we're going to start this. So I started a plan, and then I invited guys into it. Can I say that the whole year I was not perfect? There's many a days I missed. There was, there was a stretch where I had a two-week miss. And, and how many know when you, get, when you get to that point, you're like, ugh. And you're like, forget it. Like, that's what you want to say, right? 
Just forget it. Then I'm like, you know what? Let's just get back up. And I just started getting back up and going at it again. The most fulfilling thing I had this year was December 31st. I was sitting, we were sitting in Tennessee for vacation. And to go through my last December 31st of my plan and to click that button. And then the little screen came up and said, you read the whole Bible this year. I thought, you know how I did it? Small little steps every single day, every single day, every single day. You want to grow in God? Listen, I'm not challenging you. I'm not telling you, you got to read the whole Bible. Maybe for you, it's read a verse a day. Maybe it's read a chapter a day. I don't know what that is, but just starting with something where you can start there. But you're never going to do it accidentally. You got to do it intentionally. One of the other things was, was I'm, I wanted to pray with my boys more. So the craziness of just life, mornings can be crazy, nights can be crazy. And so I just started putting it into practice. Every time I drive my boys to school, I'm going to pray for them. I'm going to pray for them. I'm praying before they get out, I'm going to pray for them. I'm going to pray for them. It's a small little habit. But every single morning, I pray three things. You can ask my three, my three, any of my three boys. I pray the exact same three things every single day. God, I pray that you would give them wisdom. I pray that they would be like Daniel, that they'd have wisdom above all things, that they would learn as the day. I pray, God, that you would give them incredible friends because the Bible says that bad company corrupts good morals. And I pray that you surround them with godly influences. And God, I pray that they would be a Christian example that... First Timothy says that no one would look down on them in their youth, but they would set an example in faith and love and speech and purity. And so I pray these things over every, every day, every day. And I pray that one day when my kids are older, right now they don't understand it, but I pray one day when my kids are older, they'll look back and go, you know what, one thing dad did is every day we went to school, he prayed for me. And I pray when they have kids one day, one day they'll do a little habit of praying for their kids every single day. It's just a habit. It's small things. It's small things. Next week, I'll share a lot of my bad ones. Because this week I told y'all to do a start list, a stop list. When I went and started doing those lists, I started on the stop list and I couldn't stop. (laughs) Of all these things, we'll talk about that next week, but what are the little things? These little things that you need to start. See, success is never accidental, it's intentional. I love what Hudson Taylor said. Watch this, this is powerful. Hudson Taylor said, a little thing is a little thing, but faithfulness in a little thing is a big thing. A little thing is a little thing, but faithfulness in a little thing is a big thing. It's a big thing. Little things matter. How I many you know you didn't destroy your life one decision? You destroyed your life little decisions after little decisions after little decisions. How I many you know good things are going to start the same way? You're not going to, listen, you're not going to wake up tomorrow and Jesus himself is going to appear in your room. Probably not. If he does, please let us know. We're all coming to your house. You're probably going to wake up tomorrow and you're probably not going to feel like it. But how many know you're going to wake up tomorrow and you're going to tell yourself, I don't care how I feel like it. I'm going to get into God's presence. I want to spend time with him. A little thing is a little thing, but faithfulness in a little thing is a big thing. Let me give you number two. Not all habits are created equal. Last week we talked about how all habits are powerful, but not all habits are equally powerful. Now, I want to share with you a, a, a book. There is a book that's out called The Power of Habits. If you want to really break some habits and really grow some habits, this is a great book to get. It's written by a guy by the name of Charles Duhigg. That's his name. And uh, he wrote this book called The Power of Habits, and he talks about this one thing called keystone habits. So keystone habits, if you know anything about keystone habits, let, let me show, I'll give you a picture of it, because this, this might help. So a keystone in an archway like this, do you know which one is the keystone? That one right there. 
This is the keystone right here. In all of the archways, the one that's directly in the middle, this little triangle-looking one right here, this triangle one right here, is the keystone. Here's what the keystone is. The keystone is the most important stone in this entire archway because all of the pressure is on this big stone right here. You take this stone out, this archway is not here. And what Charles Duhigg says is that in our lives, you and I all have keystone habits. If we will put this one in place, everything else follows. It is like a domino. And there's a reason why we've been showing you a, a, a videos of dominoes, this whole thing, because the first one is tiny and it's small, but it goes to the next one and the next one and the next one. And y'all know by the time it gets to the end, it's a massively huge domino that falls at the end, but it all started with one. And that you and I have keystone habits in our lives that if we would just get the keystone habits right, everything else would start falling. Now we know what was Daniel's keystone habit? Three times a day he would pray and he would worship. Jesus had keystone habits. I shared them with you last week, but if you weren't there last week, I'll, I'll share them again. So this is what Jesus' keystone habit is. Look with me in the scripture. You have that scripture for me? The next scripture. There we go. Luke chapter 22. And Jesus left the upper room with his disciples, as was his habit. And he went to the Mount of Olives, his place of secret prayer. That he prayed. Praying was a keystone habit. We know there's another verse that talks about him going into the sanctuary. You have that one as well? I think it's right before that. When he came to Nazareth, where he had been raised, he went into the synagogue as he always did on the Sabbath day. Jesus' keystone habits... Jesus went to church, it's a keystone habit. Jesus prayed, spent time with his father, keystone habit. Private power, or public power, comes from private practice. Why could Jesus walk on water? Well, he was God. Nope. Because the Bible said he was filled with the Holy Spirit and he could do things because of the being filled with the Holy Spirit. Why could Jesus cast out demons? Because he spent time with his father. Why could Jesus do the things that he did? Because he spent time with his father. It was a keystone habit in his life that he had. And because he did it, it made other things fall. Now, Charles Duhigg goes and says that there are other keystone habits in our life. Now, spiritually, this one's huge. I can tell you right now, I can look at your marriage, I can look at your finances, and tell you that if you have this keystone habit in or not. When you get this keystone habit, how many of you will agree with me, when you put this in the first place, it makes everything else fall in the right place? That starts first, but Charles Duhigg would go on and say there's some other things that are also keystone habits. You ready? These ones are practical. Nothing spiritual, but they're practical. But I think it actually applies over to your spiritual. They, he says this, one of the keystone habits is making your bed. Making your bed is a keystone habit. What? What are you talking about? How does that, how does, how does me making my bed have anything to do with my addiction? How does making my bed have anything to do with God? Well, there's a uh, naval admiral. His name was William McRaven. He was the commander of the U.S. Special Operations. He actually wrote a book called Make Your Bed. So if you go Google or YouTube, uh, McRaven, he gave a speech at University of Texas called Make Your Bed. It is one of the best speeches I've ever heard at a commencement speech for a graduating class. He went on to write a book called Make Your Bed. This is a man who is a commander in the naval force. Why in the world is he so focused on making your bed? I would think there are a lot of other great things to do. He said this, if you want to change the world, make your bed. Well, why would he say that? Watch. 
When you make your bed every morning, you will have accomplished the first task of the day. It will give you a small sense of pride and it will encourage you to do another task and another task and another task. And by the end of the day, that one task completed will have turned into many tasks completed and making your bed will also reinforce the fact that the little things that no one sees in life matter. So making your bed is a huge thing. So that's actually been a new habit that I've started doing is waking up and making my bed. Lindsay's sleeping. I still just make the bed over her. That's just, baby. No, I'm joking. I don't do that. Let me give you another keystone habit. Ready? Family dinner. He says family dinner is a keystone habit. How many know our generation nowadays has gotten much more away from this? Busyness of schedule, busyness of life, sports, school, everything that's going on. We very rarely have family dinner. Well, he, he said that, sir, um, that actual statistics are out there that say, watch, families who habitually eat dinner together seem to raise children with better homework skills, higher grades, greater emotional control, and more confidence. Family dinner. That it's a keystone. And when I do that, other things start falling into place. Let me give you this last one. This one's a big one. I don't even want to say it because I know the moans I'm about to get. Exercise. Exercise. So, like, well, what is ex- how is exercise a keystone habit? Well, it's a big keystone habit. This is what he says. Ready? Listen. Typically, people who exercise start eating better. True? Bro, you just went and ran five miles. You ain't throwing down a Big Mac after that. You're going to be like, okay, maybe I'll take a salad. <laughs> Watch, though. Not only they start eating better, but they become more productive at work. They smoke less. They show more patience with colleagues and their family. This one blew me away. Studies have shown they use their credit cards less frequently. And they say that they feel less stressed. Now, I can attest to this one personally myself. So for many, many years, I was athletic, but I did not work out at all. And about two years ago, Lindsay has been a pretty avid workout girl. She loves working out and something that she's done for a while. And I remember the conversations that she had with me and said, babe, you need to really start working out. And I'm like, I'm lean. She said, yeah, you're lean and unhealthy. Like. Dr. Pepper and all that stuff's just not good for you. And, and then she said this, we really would like you around for a long time. And so I realized, like, I really need to start doing this. So went to our CrossFit box and just started. And uh, the first day, I, I threw up. It's a no lie. Second day, I said, I'm not going back because I couldn't move my legs. And then I went back the third day. And then I went back the fourth and the fifth. And slowly started this process of trying to get a little bit more healthy. And the same thing that I did with my Bible plan was the exact same thing I started having to do with working out. I needed a plan and I needed people. So I started recruiting. So Bobby's one of my guys here, me and him work out together. I text him this week, make sure that he was going. When he's offshore, it's not good for me. I got JJ and Pastor JJ involved now. And uh, he's paid to have to work out. And so I started this process. And I'm going to tell you, as soon as it started happening, 
I started realizing like my mind was getting clearer. I wanted to eat healthier. I was getting to bed a little earlier. And I'd love to say it was all perfect. From November, December, all the way into January, I barely worked out this past year. And I started noticing it. Let me tell you where I started noticing it. In my spiritual walk. I started noticing it in my relationship with God because what most people don't realize is your body is attached to your soul and your spirit. When you don't feel good, everything gets affected by it. Why do you think that it's such a struggle in our, in our state because of, of eating? The enemy, if the enemy can get our body, if, if we become slaves to our bodies, how many, know, how many know our spirit and our soul become slaves as well? And so it starts this process of just having to start all over again. So I hadn't worked out for forever. And so this week was, all right, we're starting back again. So we started back again. And I can already start seeing some of the, the changes. And, and, and I know it. I, I hear it because I've said it. I know the excuses. I don't have time. I know. I said the same thing. But then I realized I make time for what I want. And then it, then it hit me like, oh, it's not that I'm busy. It's, no, I just make time for the things that matter. And, and, and oftentimes when we think about exercise, I think the truth is we usually go to like, oh, I got to go pay all this money and get to a gym and I don't have time for that and I don't have money for that. And I don't, no, you don't have to do all that. Listen, you could go for a walk. Like, that's free. Like you can start there. Just, just, just something, just doing something. How many know God wants us to be good stewards of our body? body, soul, and spirit. And I'm going to tell you right now, if you will take advantage of just, okay, maybe this is a keystone in my life. Maybe every other area, God's given me freedom in my spirit. He's given me freedom in areas, but there's my body is something. Maybe that's the keystone habit that, that just breaks the walls for the next ones. So let me ask you this question. What is one keystone habit you can start? What is one keystone habit you could start? Maybe it's just to wake up earlier. Maybe for you, it's a spiritual one. It's, man, I just need to this year put in a plan to really spend time with God. I need to pray. Maybe it's, I got that down. Now I need to move to exercise. Or maybe it's, I got that down. I need to move to family dinners. And I don't, I don't know what it is, but what is the one keystone habit that you need to do? Let me give you some action steps and we're done. Number one is you need to focus on what you do first. Focus on what you do first. We prioritize first in our lives, and it says a lot about us. Now, Deuteronomy chapter 14 speaks about something, and a lot of pastors have used this verse to talk about money, but it's not about money. It's not about money only. Let me put it this way. Let me show you what Deuteronomy chapter 14 says. The purpose of tithing is to teach you to always, everybody say these next words with me, put God in first place. Okay. Purpose of tithing is to always put God in first place in your life. So yet again, like I said, most people think it's money. That's a part of it. But do you know that you can tithe other areas of your life? Like the beginning of this year, we tithed at the beginning of this year, seven days we gave to God for prayer and fasting. We did three nights of spiritual. No, you know what we were doing? We were tithing our year to the Lord. We were saying, God, the rest of this year is yours. We're gonna start the beginning of it with you. We can tithe the, the, our months. You're today, you're tithing your day today on a Sunday morning, you're in church. You know what you're doing? You're tithing the beginning of your week. You're saying, God, this week is yours. I'm starting it off with you. God, would you now bless the rest? 
How many, your life is much more blessed when you start your week off in church. God is able to do something through the week with you. You start your day tithing your day to the Lord. When you go to him and spend time in worship and in prayer, you're tithing that part of the day. And here's what I, I need you to understand. Every time you tithe, every time you give, not just money, but in every area of your life, anything you put into God's hands, he multiplies. Anything you put into God's hands, he multiplies. So I don't know about y'all, but I believe that our seven days of prayer and then our Sunday mornings and, and now what we're doing with wanting to spend time with God more, I believe he's going to multiply it. You give God your time, he multiplies it. You give God your finances, he multiplies it. You give God what is first in his, how many know, he multiplies it. He multiplies it. So you need to focus on what you do first. What does the first part of your day start like? You need to really look into that because how you start your day usually determines how your day goes. Y'all ever, ever like, you hit the snooze four times and then you like, you know, it's like, it's like home alone. Oh, you know, we're late. And then you like wake up and you're like screaming at kids and let's go, let's go. And you know, everybody's trying to get kids and you kick the cat and then you're trying to go and let's go. You, you get to work and you're, you know, you're trying to rush to work. You're spilling coffee all over you because you all, like, it all started because you had a bad start. Y'all see the domino effect? Boom, 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 boom. Everybody's got bad attitudes. Boom, 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 boom. Then everybody comes back from school and everybody's got the bad attitude from the morning before and it's like, boom, boom, boom. but I don't know, I'm glad about you. God's mercies are new every morning. Every morning we get a restart. We get a restart. I mean, at night you're like, God, forgive me tomorrow, please. Let's start this all over again. Give me a new start. So we want to focus on what we do first. Let me give you the number two. We're going to start small. Start small. Small, small disciplines done consistently lead to big results over time. St. Francis of Assisi said, start doing what's necessary, then what's possible, and suddenly you're doing the impossible. Zechariah chapter 4 verse 10 says this, do not despise the small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. Amen. Loves to see it start. Hey, at the end of this month, our church is going to celebrate 19 years as a church. 19. Come on. Do you know how it started? Here's the crazy part. With 19 people. 2019, celebrating 19 years. 2,000 years goes with 2,000 years ago. No, we're not going. Y'all aren't that old, Miss Tracy. So 19 years ago. Pastor Bob and Miss Tracy started in the Holiday Inn with 19 people. Half of them were their family, and then Janine and a number of others were there. And it started small. And you know how much it grew to in the first year? 30. Woo! Woo, woo! Come on now. And then the next year's like 50. And then you know what? For 15 years, you know how big it grew to? 200. 200. 15 years. 200. Small. 95% of the churches in the U.S. are 200 and over, under. And that's what we had. We had a typical church. And then from 2015 to 2016, you know what God did? And he just breathed. 
And over the last four years, we've just seen God take those, those small dominoes for 15 years to eventually go boom, boom, boom. And how many you know 2019 is just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. We're making bigger impact, bigger things God's doing. But how many know it started with We live in a generation now where everybody wants things fast. How many remember back in the day when uh, you took pictures without your camera? I mean, without your phone. That sounds a little weird without a camera. Hey, smile. Y'all remember that? How many remember the ones who you Y'all remember that? Yeah. Those are old. And you had to take the film to Eckerd's. And, and, and you, got your, you got your photos in two weeks. Not in 24 hours. Not, not in an hour. It, it took a while. But, but how do you remember that if, if somehow you accidentally popped it open or your kids got to it and they opened it up, what, what, did it, what happened to it? It was, it was exposed. It was overexposed, Right? That's what happens to people when they try to get success too early. They're overexposed. That's why Moses was in the wilderness for 40 years before God let him go to Egypt and let my people go. Yeah, we know Moses did that, but we don't realize that he had 40 years of going, ah, get over there, ah, get over there. David, for years, ah, get over there as a shepherd playing the harp, writing songs. And one moment finally came where he was standing in front of Goliath. And guess what? He had been playing with that slingshot for a lot of years, small little things. And here came his one moment for that. See, I'm here to tell you right now, there may be a moment in 2019 where God's ready for you to do that. But are you faithful in the small things right now, getting ready for when that moment comes? Because if not, you will be overexposed and it will not be good. The worst thing that can happen to you is that you get success too early because you're not ready for it. Look at all the people who've won the lottery. Many of them are broke years later because they're overexposed. I'm here to tell you, listen, God wants you to start small. Start small. Little things are little things, but faithfulness and little things are big things. Let's start small. Father, today, God, we love you. God, I thank you that you are beginning new things in our hearts. And God, I pray today for every person in this room. God, as, as we talk about keystone habits, God, what are, the, what, are the, what are the habits that you're wanting us to create? What are the habits you're wanting us to start? That when we start those things, it will be a, a domino effect of things that you do in our life. God, today, Lord, we, we make a commitment to, to draw close to you. First and foremost, God, put you first. You know, the most important thing that we can start is not making our bed, not even family dinners. The most important thing we can start is, of course, is a relationship with God. If you're here in this room, I think one of the greatest things that God would want you to start in 2019 is to start to know him because he loves you. He's pursuing you. He's the reason you're here this morning. 
He's been drawing your heart. The Bible says that the only way that we have a relationship with God is through Jesus. That Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father except through him. That Jesus came and he lived a life you couldn't live and died a death you deserve to die. He took your sin, your shame, your guilt, and because of our sin, it separated us from God. But we can start a new relationship with God because of what Jesus did on that cross. He took all that. He absolved all that, and he gave us his righteousness. And if you will believe in Jesus, you can have a new relationship with him today. Don't walk out this place the same. Let's, let's walk out of here having a new relationship with God. If that's you, say, Pastor Josh, I, I want a relationship with God like that. If that's you, on the count of three, I want you to shoot your hands up. One, two, three. If that's you, going up all across this room, come on. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. Come on, let's just pray this together. Say, dear Lord Jesus, thank you for saving me. You came and lived a life that I couldn't live. You died a death that I deserve to die. You took my guilt, my shame, and my past. You rose again to give me a purpose on earth, a place in heaven, and a relationship with your Father. Today, I surrender to you. I give you my life. I repent, and I make Jesus the Lord of my life from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen.